0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 340 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre where you'll find an awesome writing community and some fantastic writing courses. I'm here with Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of the Mapmaker Chronicles and Adaban Cypher series. How are you, Al? Well, Val, I'm focused. You're focused? Why is that? For the first
1: time in... I don't know. Have you heard me focused in months? No. 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 Well, now I am. Um, Why? Because I have to finish a manuscript. So you know the manuscript mm-hmm. I've been writing with hashtag write a book with Al and I've been faffing and I've been, you know, 200 words here and 300 words there. Well, I have a deadline. Well, you had people. 1,100
0: words the other day.
1: I did have. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I mm. have a deadline now. Yeah. Okay. And so now I am 1,100, 1,200 a day. <laughs> It's fascinating how a deadline will focus a person is all I'm saying. Yes. Um, and, I, you know, it is a huge tool and I feel like if you are someone at the moment who is struggling with that, you know, concentration or, mm. or focus uh, and you're writing, um, aim, you know what, pick a competition at the end of the yeah. year or at the beginning of next year or whatever, like however long you think it's going to take you to finish, pick mm. a competition, a literary competition and aim to enter it. Mm,
0: Give definitely.
1: yourself a deadline.
0: Yeah, Who, do, who yeah. did we
1: talk to that did that? Imbi, Imbi Nemi, yeah. give yourself a deadline because de- a deadline has a way of focusing that muse. It brings mm. her, you know, out of the car park and into the meeting room faster than anything that I have ever had in my life. So I just forgot for a while there that I that deadlines work well for me. So now mm. I've got one.
0: I think I'll add to that, um, pick a competition with a deadline that's commensurate to the number of words. So what I mean by that is if you're writing a whole manuscript, sure, pick a deadline next year or in six months' time. But if it's only asking for 500 words or even just 1,500 words, Don't pick a deadline that's a year out. No, no, no. I'm talking about an an unpublished manuscript award. I'm saying
1: if you are writing children's or YA, aim for next year's ampersand. If you are writing, Mm. you know, uh, literary fiction, aim for next year's Penguin Literary Prize. I'm just saying. Or the Vogel. Or the Vogel or whatever. Mm. You know, pick a competition. Maybe we should do a list. We We have got a list somewhere, haven't we? Didn't the writer's centre do a list? Yeah, we've got a list. We're going to do, if we haven't got one, we're going to make one. A list of unpublished manuscript awards that you can Mm. enter, pick one and aim for that because the deadline has a way of actually sharpening your concentration and focus in a way that nothing else will. So that is today's tip of the day from AL Tate right
0: there. <laughs> okay. We want my work a, is done and I can leave now, right? <laughs> fabulous. Her work is done, but she's just given me a whole heap of work to get a list of manuscripts. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also extremely good at delegating. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we want to give a big shout out to No Time To Study. that's their handle Uh, no time to study has kindly left us a review uh which says learn something new every podcast my daily commute has gone from 30 minutes to 120 i was lamenting the loss of writing time but now i can still be productive on the drive to work by listening to this fantastic podcast the hosts are funny and intelligent
1: intelligent
0: (laughs) Yay. No time to study, you
1: are my fav- my new favourite
0: person, favorite. hello, yes. <laughs> the interviewees come from a wide range of backgrounds and I'm learning something new every time I listen, woohoo, thank you, yeah. no time thank to study. Thank you so much,
1: but also, wow, from 30 minutes to 120, yes, that's, that's a yeah, massive yeah, commute, lucky you have 380 million episodes to get mm. through mm. Um, and we are very, very pleased to be keeping you company.
0: yes. Very much so. Thank you so much for leaving that review. And if anyone else has 30 seconds to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever your podcast platform is, we'd really be grateful because it helps other people discover the podcast. So let's move on to our links and uh, the world of writing and publishing this week. Al, you've actually had a great review yourself on books and publishing.
1: I have. I'm very excited about this. So I'm at the point now, so uh, for new listeners, I have a new book coming out in September called The Fire Star, a Maven and Reef mystery. So it's an upper middle grade novel. And I'm just at the point with it now where I'm starting to see it, um, you know, the advanced reader copies and the and the proofs and things like that are going out into the world and people are starting to post them on Instagram that they have them, um, which of course brings me to the point where of, of – Pure and utter horror that people are actually starting to read this thing. Um, Which I've got to tell you, when you write books and you're in the midst of the joy of writing books, you kind of forget that people are at some point going to read this thing and come back to you and tell you what they think about it. And that is a good thing. You should write like that. Always write. You're writing for readers, but you have to write, you have to push to the back of your mind the whole review situation while you're writing, or you will be crippled for life. Um, So I am writing, uh, sorry, the books are now out there. I'm starting to see people seeing them. And then a friend, a very kind friend alerted me yesterday to the fact that booksandpublishing.com.au has uh, published a review of the Firestar. Um, it was reviewed by Danny Solomon, who's the assistant manager of Readings Kids. And I'm extremely happy to say that she loved it. I'm really, really happy about the review. Yeah. Um, she said that, you know, she – uh, so in the book I have two main characters, Ma- Maven, who is a uh, a maid, and Reeve, who is a squire, and the book switches back and forth between their points of view and it's, it's a little bit unusual because Maven's point of view is first person and Reeve's point of view is third person, um, which mm-hmm. was quite a deliberate choice in the end and I think I've talked about it in previous – podcasts about how I came to that arrangement Um, and it was the way that the novel worked the best. I tried so many different things to kind of bring this thing together. Uh, It was the way that it worked the best and um, so Danny says that, you know, it took her a minute to get used to those jumps between first and third person Um, but once she did, the book didn't leave her hands and she also said that she's looking forward to selling The Firestar which given that she is a bookseller is a huge, uh, just a big cheer for me. Um, this middle grade novel is great for existing fans of A. L. Tate as well as lovers of historical fiction and adventure aged nine and up. So, first of all, thank you so much to Danny, should she be listening. Mm. Um, but also, just that it's it's a it's a lovely relief that the first review or the first official review that I've seen is um, is such a lovely one. So, yay! Is it just yeah, a just, absolutely. just a How small, cool. quiet fist pumping? Yay! All yeah. around there. Yeah,
0: big fist um, pump.
1: Yeah, so I'll put the link in the sh- in the show notes, but the, the awards there are often, um, uh, the reviews there are often uh, behind a paywall, particularly for the first couple of weeks, so you won't necessarily be able to read it at this stage. But, you know, I'll put it there for anyone who does have a subscription.
0: Do you want to just explain what Books and Publishing is in case some people don't know?
1: Oh, it's like in a, it's like the um, inside the Australian and New Zealand book industry is their tagline. It's a magazine uh, online, and also they do a print edition as well. Um, and it's kind of like where you stay connected with you know what's happening in the world of books mm. and publishing in Australia and New Zealand. Um, so if you are an author or an aspiring author, um, it's always a good idea to have. A, a, a subscription to something like this because you get mm. to see where uh, editors are moving around, publishers are moving around, you get to see what kinds of books are coming out. Um, but it's not um, it's not a cheap subscription. So it's it, it's definitely a professional subscription So, mm. um, but it's definitely um,
0: worth it if you are someone who is in the industry or, you know, aspiring to be. For sure. So you can check it out at booksandpublishing.com.au the word and all right fantastic so we you also have a link for us from the right life i do because um of course one of the things that uh
1: regular listeners will know is that i've been uh rebuilding my website which has been a long and involved saga but it's now out there if you would like to have a look at it (laughs) alisontake.com um and you can now easily navigate my do you know how many – so I deleted – I have removed from the back end 150 sort of old, irrelevant blog posts, oh. and I still have 850. Wow. <laughs> so it's – It's a lot of stuff on this website. Um, So I've been doing that, but it's also – I'm also in the process, of course, of uh, creating a strategy for the various things that I'm going to be doing when it comes uh, to time to kind of, you know, get the word out about the Firestar. Mm. And, of course, the publicity department at Penguin is also doing things, so the two things come together and hopefully lots and lots of people will hear about it. Um, But, as you know, uh, the basis of a lot of this stuff is the – of author platform concept that you and I have been talking about for many, many years and mm. why it's important for an author to have their own platform. So while Penguin Random House is doing a brilliant job of getting some publicity um, moments together for me, I'm also doing my own and I'm doing it based on uh, co- connections and networks and things that I have been you know, putting in place for many, many years now. Um, mm. And this particular post on The Right Life is about, uh, it's called Build your author platform: seven manageable ways to start from scratch, um, and they're all like it's just a, it's a relatively short post. Seven, uh, t- seven little tips, and these are all things that um, you know that I've done over the years that I have put into my course you know in different wording obviously and expanded upon over the years with my uh, build your author platform course for the Australian Writers Centre but it's where to start and it's how to keep it manageable so that you're not overwhelmed um, with the concept of how do I go from you know here I am at scratch point to having the networks available to be able to say well I'm writing 10 blog posts and I'm having an interview and I'm doing this and I'm doing that Um, and you've got to remember that it takes time like I've been doing this for a long time but if you start today then you know down the track like in in six months time or a year's time then you're that much further along so when the time does come you know there you are and you're ready to seize those opportunities as they arrive mm-hmm. um so the uh this particular post um as I said there's seven points and there's a few there that I like um one of them is you know to write your expertise write an I am fabulous statement um like which that. is quite which is really quite cute. But I think it's um, – do you remember when, when I was sort of like doing my oh, – I was a few years ago now. I remember we had this conversation. Remember somebody convinced me to do a mind map? Do right. you remember that? And it's oh. not something of, of, of this, of my expertise oh. and, what, and what I would focus on and how right. would – you know, what did I bring to the table that was different to what everyone else brought to the table? And I have never done it before. I'd never mm. done it. So mm. I did this mind map um, – this mind map sort of experiment. And it was a very interesting experiment because generally speaking, when I um, need a really good bio written, I get someone else to do it for me because like Val, Mm. I I do talk to Val quite a lot about this (laughs) stuff because it's very difficult. You know, we always feel like we're boasting and and it's very difficult to objectively see what it is that you do that yeah. you are bringing to a, to a table that other people are not. It's very hard to do that because we're brought up not to kind of like big note ourselves. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know what, I give you permission to sit down and write a list of all of the things that you are excellent at. Why are you the person to write your book? In what specific and particular ways are you awesome? Do it for yourself and then you can look at how you can then, you know, work that into an official bio as as time goes by. And it will help you to think about the ways that you can pitch your book to various places when the time comes mm. you why, know why is it you why why should you write this book where did the idea for this novel come from where has it come from out of your life what are the sorts of things that you are bringing to this novel that no one else is going to bring um, so I quite like the
0: I am fabulous statement I think everyone mm. should do one and also do one if you're a bit hesitant about it because you don't want to big note yourself <laughs> write it knowing that no one is going no one's to read going to it, read it.
1: No, Mm. no
0: one saw my mind map, and that is a very
1: good Mm. thing because all it did was show how messy my mind really is, (laughs) Um, which is not not something Mm. we need to put out there. Now the other thing I really like is this second one, uh, which is the contacts. Put together a big mouth list. Mm. Everyone you know is a contact. The more people you know, the more influence you have, especially if you know people in high places. So you kind of want to write down all of the people that you've ever kind of come across or met or are good friends with who might be willing to help you promote your book. Who are these people going to be? And you know what? Maybe it's pie in the sky, some of them, and maybe, you know, some of them are very realistic. But you want to think about who you you might be able to contact to say, will you stand there with a picture of my book on your social media, if nothing else? Do you know what I mean? So think about those kinds of things. Or blurb your Um, book or blurb your book, Mm -hmm. or just talk about, like, who knows? Like, it's the word of mouth Mm. is so important. Um, And so, you know, if you can think of anyone you know who does have a, you know, quote, big mouth, then Mm.
0: that's a handy thing. (laughs) Definitely. It's a good one. I like the third one, which is pick just two social media channels because there are so many authors who think that they need to be on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest And um, what's that thing TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, I was not on TikTok. (laughs) No, 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 my cats are. My cats are on Rex and Rocky are on TikTok. They have followers. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not even go there. So just pick two because if you. Pick If you try to spread yourself too thinly, you will spread yourself too thinly and you won't do anything well. So pick two and stick to them. I think that that is a re- some really good advice. Anyway, the whole post is on The Right Life and we will, of course, put the link in the show notes, which you can find at soyouwanttobeariter.com.au. Okay, but now, I just want to say one thing before we stop. Oh, yes, stop. one more thing. The last point, the best yes. way to build an author platform
1: is simple. Yeah. Start. Oh, yeah, for sure. Really, really important mm. part, yeah. Mm. Definitely, right. definitely. I'm finished
0: now. We can go, we can go All on. All right, we can, we can go on. Okay. So what is the next link that we've got about using Pinterest? Well, it's related because um, mm. I think that Pinterest is a, is a platform that a lot of people
1: overlook. Like if I wouldn't necessarily suggest that you start with Pinterest as an no. author, um, I would probably start with, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter, something that's a little bit more sort of um, – you know, obvious and a little bit more easy, a little easier to get your head around to start with because Pinterest is one of those things that can – and the other thing you need for Pinterest is content. You need content on your site uh, mm-hmm. to really make it, you know, really make it work for you. Um, but it is a f- fantastic place for um, for driving traffic. Uh, to a website. It is a really, really good place for that, particularly if you are a visual person and have good visuals on your site. But it is also one of those places where lots of authors use it as a as a source of inspiration. So they will um, create boards yes. if they are coming up you know, creating a new book, a new novel premise or whatever, they will create boards that are related to that particular novel. Um, And so they'll use it as, you know, looking for images of, of, you know, potential characters, looking for images of places where these people might live, looking for images, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if if they don't live in New York, but they want to set the book in New York, they'll create an entire board related to New York so that they can really get a feel for what, you know, life in New York might be like. So, It's the kind of place that you can use it for book marketing or you can use it for inspiration or both. And this particular uh, link that I'm going to share in the show notes is Mm. from the BookBub website yep. insights.bookbub.com and it's 35 authors using Pinterest for book marketing and inspiration and it goes through the list and it shows you how they're using them like different yep. authors and, and what they're doing with them um, so it's uh there's a, a a young adult author called Marie Lu uh, both of my boys really like her write her books um, and she is you know she uses it as a character Sort of inspiration board, and she has a whole kind of board there, which has got images of what her characters might look like, the kind of hairstyles they might have, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and it's obviously Jodie Headland uses it, so she's a um, she's a very big uh, blogger, uh, romance blogger, yeah. and she has well, she's got 159,134 followers Crazy. on Pinterest. Um, And she uses it, again, as visualisations for various scenes and characters. So people who really love her work and love her worlds will follow her boards because they like the look of, you know, like that way they can immerse themselves in the look of the world as they read her books. So there's a whole bunch of different authors on there. Uh, Mm. James Patterson, the, you know, extremely popular thriller writer, uses his boards um, specifically promoting book previews. So it's, it's where you can basically download book previews for free
2: yeah. um, it's
1: called free book previews <laughs> um, it's that simple um, and so people can you know download the book that book there and if they love it they can then you know go on and buy the book i'm say th- i'd say there's links to buy it everywhere in every single one of those previews um rick riordan who of course do you say riordan or rawdon riordan uh anyway riordan percy jackson dude um very very popular young adult novel he uses them um to share excerpts, like he uses his boards to share book ex, ex, mm. extracts um, so you can get an idea of, you know, what his next book might be like and things like that. So people are using them in lots and lots of different, different ways, ways. Um, and it's all about, you know, inspiration, promotion, marketing, uh, driving traffic to your website. So it's definitely worth having a look at, at what those authors are doing if this is the kind of um, the kind of platform that might appeal to you. Mm.
0: Yeah, definitely check it out. We'll put that link to Barb in the show notes. So um, have a look there because it's definitely a, a lot of work has gone into compiling this post. So yes, well done to <laughs> go book to Diana Urban who, yes. who, who compiled it. All right, so let's move on to our competition this week. We have three copies of The Sandpit by Nicholas Shakespeare to give away. So you can win one of these three copies. A sophisticated literary thriller in the vein of Lacar and William Boyd involving the disappearance of a nuclear scientist in Oxford, when John Dyer. Returns to Oxford from Brazil with his young son, Leandro, he doesn't expect to find them both in danger. His time living on the edge as a foreign correspondent in Rio is over, but the rainy streets of this English city turn out to be just as treacherous as those he used to walk in the favelas. Leandro's schoolmates are the children of influential people, among them an international banker, a Russian oligarch, an American CIA operative, and a British spook. As they congregate round the sports field for the weekly football matches, the network of alliances and covert interests that spreads between these power brokers soon becomes clear to Dyer. But it is it is a chance conversation with an Iranian nuclear scientist that sets him onto a truly precarious path. Ooh, all right. So I feel, I feel like you just read me the novel. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's
0: more. So go to writerscentercomau slash win for your chance to win one of three copies just follow the instructions at writerscentre.com.au slash win entries close on the 27th of July all right so Al I missed you last week I'm sure I'm sure you did I had to do this by myself do you know <laughs> how hard that is no, I, I no. How do you know? To be honest, I haven't even listened to it, so I don't
1: even know <laughs> do you how you know managed how it,
0: it. All right, are you ready for the word of the week, I'll, Val? I'm so ready. Okay, good, because you've missed it, haven't you? I have. I yes, you have. I, yes. honestly, last week I was just, I was bereft. All right, the word of the week is internecine. Interneine. So, I N T E R N E C I N E.
1: Do you know? I know the word. I've seen the word. I don't know what the word means. And it's, which means, suggests to me that it's one of those ones that you don't necessarily pick up from context because generally speaking, you can, right? You can work it through. And I've never
0: looked it up because I'm lazy like that. Okay. So I'm ready. Hit me. In internecine, it looks like it has something to do with international medicine, (laughs) but it doesn't. It means mutually destructive or. Conflict within a nation or group or organization. So you might say the internecine conflict between the states over environmental issues almost led to civil war.
2: Mm.
0: Mm. Internecine. Mm.
2: Okay. Happy? All
0: right. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Fair to middling. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) Sometimes I I should just do this by myself.
1: That bit anyway. Oh, oh, come on. You would miss me so much.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's move on to our writer in residence this week. I had a great chat to Sandy Barker, who is an Australian writer, who's a person who's really into travelling, as you will hear, and she's also a hopeful romantic with a lengthy bucket list. She calls herself a hopeful romantic. Oh, okay. Mm. Lovely. So because she loves traveling, she writes holiday romances Uh, and she has written several now. She is on fire. She has a couple coming out. So let's have a chat to Sandy Barker. Sandy, this is a very exciting and busy time for you. Just not that long ago, That Night in Paris came out and mm-hmm. now your latest book is A Sunset in Sydney. Mm-hmm. You must be busy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I am busy actually. Um, that was one of the things that was most surprising about becoming a published author is everything that goes into getting a book out. Um, mm. It's great when you get the publishing deal you get very excited um of course but it's like okay so now now we do this round of edits and now we do this type of edit and now we do this type of edit. oh we're marketing for this book so um yeah there's always kind of i I call it the spinning plates yes Um, there's always author work to do um but you know i just love it so i'm not complaining at all
0: so your first novel was One Summer in Santorini and now the second and third have come out in quick succession. So I'd like to talk a bit about both of them. In case people haven't got their hands on a copy yet, first of all, let's talk about what is A Sunset in Sydney about?
2: So A Sunset in Sydney is actually the direct sequel to One Summer in Santorini. Um, in, in the first book we meet Sarah and she has taken herself off on holiday to Greece she doesn't want to meet anybody she doesn't she's um, sworn off relationships and love and mm-hmm. as luck would have it she actually meets two someones as she calls them and um, it's a bit of a slice of life um, a, it's a travel romance um, set in Greece obviously mm-hmm. is the title um, gives that away mm-hmm. uh, and then we it ends the book ends where she's kind of, she's finished the trip, but there's still questions about, um, you know, what, who she, is she going to choose either of these people? Um, Mm -hmm. is she going to choose to be single? And so a sunset in Sydney picks up her story and, um, we find out, what sarah's decision is around her life not just her love life but her life um so yeah it's a a direct continuation from from one summer in santorini so for all those people who were screaming for what happens next Um, (laughs) this is what happens next
0: fantastic so how about that night in paris
2: what is that about so that's actually um, – the main character of that book is called Kat and she is Sarah's sister. So mm-hmm. um, she is also a person who's not really um, – she's she's not a fan of love um, and she has a bit of a mishap um, where she's on the receiving end of required love and in her hometown of London and she takes herself off on a – Bus trip around Europe, just to kind of escape, as you do. Um, And there is a night in Paris, like a good old Kentucky tour. You know, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I did work for Kentucky. um, (laughs) I did work for Kentucky as a tour manager, so I was able to draw from a lot of my experiences for the book. But yeah, she has this um, chance encounter in Paris. That night in Paris, she has this encounter, and I'm not going to go into that too much. But it is. it, it is it is part of the series, this holiday romance travel rom-com series. Um, yeah, so it's it's been fun to write about these two sisters. And um, what's great about writing a series is that the supporting characters in each of the books kind of lend themselves to their own stories. And um, mm. I'll get I'll get um, emails or comments from readers that oh I want to know about this character what's going to happen to this character and so that can often spawn ideas for spin-off books as part of the series. And so I suspect you love traveling oh I do, <laughs> I do. and look we've we've um you know the last few months we know that people are going through a lot more hardship than we are Um I think the only thing is I really wish I was traveling right now. I was supposed to be in the UK right now for a six-week mm-hmm. trip, um, including a, a bit of a, um, a bit of a, a return to Edinburgh, but it was um, a research trip for um, the book that I'm writing now. Um, so, yes, I, I absolutely – I just love travel. It fuels me. It just makes my heart sing, and I think that a lot of people – that really resonates with a lot of people. Is the transformative effect of travel, mm. um, even if it's just a long weekend away, it makes you appreciate home more when you get home, um, and you you know you see do things that you would you wouldn't normally do in your everyday life, and it just kind of gives you a really fresh perspective on life and appreciation for what we do have, and you know it just expanding your horizons. So yeah, I I try to tap into that when I'm writing Mm. because I think that that's a really great theme to explore um, is that transformative effect of travel so you're missing it yes
0: I bet these books are out by HarperCollins now when
2: did you know that you wanted to be an author oh I love that question Mm. I think I I think I started taking it seriously um probably about eight years ago now Uh, and I wrote the first draft um kind of the first iteration of one summer in Santorini I started writing in 2013 um so that was when I really made time every day to write and got serious about the craft and and I was you know reading a lot about writing and I think you need to read voraciously in your genre, um, mm-hmm. to kind of really immerse yourself in, um, you know, all of the mechanics of it. Um, I, I, I was an English teacher years and years ago, but for about 14 years. And so there's a lot of the mechanics of English that I, mm. I, is kind of intrinsic, but, um, yeah, I was just kind of doing writing and reading a lot in the genre. Um, and it was after I made the decision to self-publish my first book because it was mm-hmm. self-published before I got the publishing deal mm-hmm. that I was like, Well what what's the other stuff? What's the other stuff that you don't necessarily know about with regards to being an author? And that's when I I was like, I went on the Australian Writers Centre site and I was like Oh build your author pl- um, pr- platform. Mm-hmm. I was like Yes, I'm going to do this course and I learned so much about all of the rest of you know the business of being an author and the and the self marketing and everything else. So that that was good. That actually fueled me. That made mm-hmm. it, um, it really demystified kind of the whole business so when you say when did I want to be an author creatively I wanted to be an author for a long time but it it just seemed like a pipe dream until Mm. I kind of dug into well what does it actually mean um, and, you know, having that social media presence, building a brand, being able to point to something when you're approaching publishers or agents to say, look, I've, you know, I've got this following here. I've got a small but passionate audience. I'd like to build that audience. Um, so it really actually made doing that course made it seem um, feasible it's like, I can do this. <laughs> it's, just, it's just kind of taking things step by step and um, I, I, th- I thought that was really, really useful. So from a creative perspective about eight years ago and really from um, a realistic perspective, mm. about seven seven years, seven or eight, six, seven years, yeah. Right. And so,
0: well, I'm so glad that the course, um uh, that you found the course useful. Um, yeah. So tell me a bit about, you said that your first book you self-published initially. Tell me a mm-hmm. bit about the journey from self-publishing to
2: tradi- to Harp Collins. Sure, sure. Um, so, I, w- when I had f- had this, um, you know, the first draft of the book back in towards the end of um, 2013, I did actually sign with an Australian agent and he wasn't able to sell the book over the course of our year. We had the contract and he was really passionate about it. But I... Um, you know we were getting comments like travel it, it reads like a travel biography and what is this travel fiction it's not really a thing and um, it, it was a lot of the publishing uh, publishing houses weren't really um, investing time or energy in that particular niche genre um, so I you know put the book in a drawer and mm-hmm. thought okay well that's the end of that I tried I got an agent and that's what you're supposed to do and it didn't happen um, and after a trip Back to Greece, back to Santorini and the other islands that are in the book. Um, in 2016, I came back to the manuscript fresh. I, I, I just, you know, had another go. At it, added about 5,000 words, um, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And I went back to all of my notes from, from that. that um, I went back to all my notes from the Build Your Author platform. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I can do this. And I had a stra- strategy. Like, I did it like a, mar- you know, like a, I had a full marketing plan. Wow. Um, and I I got, you know, I got a cover art, got a cover artist. I paid for a proofread. And I, I went out there on Kindle, Kindle um, Direct Publishing. Mm-hmm. Now, with that out in the world, I wrote the second bu- the second book, which mm-hmm. has now become a sunset in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Self published that, and then um, that year in 2018, I was actually on sabbatical for mm-hmm. a year. My partner and I are traveling, and we were living in the UK at the time. And I got connected with a small group um, of authors, romance authors, and through them, I got I started to realize that. Um, in the uk they were really ripe for travel romance and plus we you know it was a few years down the track and travel romance was this huge genre it was a boom genre and i'm like there's a place for me (laughs) so while we were living there i actually started querying british publishers um you know i referred to myself as the nomad author looking for a publishing home and you know, again, went back to my notes and stuff of how do you build that brand and 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 even query letters are part of your brand as an author. So, mm-hmm. you know, honing those letters every time I got a rejection, okay, what am I not doing right about messaging? Um, you know, how do you write the blurb? How do you do all of that? So I just kept practicing, practicing, practicing. And, you know, I just kept reminding myself it takes one yes mm-hmm. and got back to Australia after sabbatical. No yeses, um, quite devastated by that thought okay well I'll just self publish the third one that i've written and i got i got the email i got the one yes. yes um we read your book we love it so much we want to publish and i was you know beside myself like it was <laughs> it was i all the stars aligned um and it spoke to yes i was i had I persevered and there are a lot of there were a lot of no's not quite as many as JK Rowling but there were a lot <laughs> of no's and everyone is disheartening you know but mm. I had to keep going all right what do I need to be doing about my messaging because I know that this is a good story I know that it's a really yes. entertaining read how do I get these people to see that so yeah it was I I think it was just kind of the convergence of Mm. the the craft of of um, the author business um, so to speak I've got air quotes up there um, and and perseverance and then just w- really sticking to my creative guns and writing the book that I wanted to write telling the story that I wanted to tell you know five years before I'd been told no I'm not interested this is this is genre is going to go nowhere mm. and who you know, who would have foreseen how Important travel fiction has become in the la- even the last few months especially, mm, um, mm. you know it's a, it's a bright beacon in a dreary, dreary time.
0: So it's not just um, it, that, you're, that you're, obviously, you''re obviously passionate about writing travel fiction and as you say, you knew that the, it, there was a good story there. But what you've also got is these characters who are <laughs> to me so real. they're like your friends and the way their dialogue is like the way my friends would talk <laughs> and how do you develop your characters and how do you get that authenticity that is just you know because sometimes when i read books yep. um uh, it's you know especially contemporary books like there's there's something not always quite right with the dialogue and and yet mm. you've got such a natural flow and and with with the characters and and their dialogue how do you determine what that character is like and therefore the kinds of things they would say the kind of jokes they would tell the kind of sarcasm they would um have what what happens there
2: that's a, oh gosh that's such a great question um so as well as being an English teacher, I was a drama teacher for ages as well, mm-hmm. and um, I have I have written quite a few scripts. So obviously mm-hmm. scripts are ninety five percent dialogue, mm-hmm. a bit of stage direction. Um, so for me, it's it's a very weird phenomenon, but once I have an idea of who I'm writing about. Um, I kind of can. I start to imagine who's in their orbit, who you know, who's who's going to be their love interest. What is their love interest going to bring out in them that they don't already have? So, before I start, and I don't, I'm not one of those, um, you know, whiteboard planners. I my my planning doesn't look like a murder board. I, a lot of people, I'm like, wow, that's really amazing. Oh, you already know every every chapter what's going to happen, and mm-hmm. I don't do that. But for me, wow. I will always. Um, my re- research, again, air quotes. Sorry for those of you who can't you, know, you can't see me <laughs> doing the air quotes. So I'll tell you I'm doing. That. Um, my my research phase is always around character. So I will write mm. extensive character profiles and. Um, I often will get sparked by somebody or inspired by somebody I know. Character names are very, very important to me. I'll do inspiration boards like pictures. um, In my current love interest, he's Scottish and he's got long red hair and he's Mm. described as hemsworthy. Like he's really (laughs) handsome but she's like, Put off by the fact that when she meets him, he's got a man bun, you know. It's like, so I'm like, okay, so I start Googling long red headed Scottish, yeah, okay, <laughs> and then just you know, building from there, and then when when i'm imagining a scene and i usually will write chapters in scenes so they might have two or three or maybe even one scene one two or three scenes in a chapter i i actually let it percolate for a long time and i imagine the characters doing all the things and saying all the things so when i come to write mm-hmm. it's it sounds really bizarre but i know that there are some authors who do this it's almost like i'm channeling people who are talking in my head so I actually can see and hear them in my head and I just write down what they say and do.
0: Wow. And so when you say you, imagining, you imagine them doing the scenes in the chapter, yeah. is that um, while you're in the car or do you set aside, here's my imagining chair <laughs> <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and, I'm, and now I'm going to imagine my story? How, how when does that happen? I love happen? so much.
2: Um often it will come to me while I'm writing, so it's just kind of i'm I can't, sometimes I can't keep up with what they're doing and saying um, yeah. but my, but a lot of the times if I'm stuck, I have to go and do something else um, you I know i I mean my partner knows when I'm stuck on something because the apartment is spotless like <laughs> I can't, it's so, like oh you're cleaning out the cupboards. Mhm. Okay. And then I, or I go to the gym or whatever, I get on the spin bike. I I'll do something completely different. Mm. Um and then I start to go oh yeah, okay, 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 okay. And I'm you know, I'm like most authors where you sit down sometimes and it just doesn't happen. You squeeze out 300 words in Three hours, and other Mm -hmm. times I'll sit down and squeeze out. You know, I'll write six thousand words and go, oh crap, I've written two chapters. Hello, Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate. I let it per. I like to have it. You know, I ruminate. I just kind of let it Mm. percolate and steep and marinate. What all those good words (laughs) in my brain. Um, But then with the dialogue, I always read it back to myself aloud. Because I think that's a way your your our ears are attuned we you know we consume enough fiction in our lives. our ears are attuned to what sounds authentic yes. um, and I take I actually take notes as I'm writing like okay, this is um, this person, this is how they swear this is this is um, they this is a phrase they use all the time or you know, so yeah, I will keep track of that. I'll keep track of their idioms and slang and um,
0: in a. In a document about them, yeah, yeah, yep. right. Yep. So, so you I'll obviously uh... really, it's really character. You, you, you really get to know your characters really well, and <laughs> you say your story doesn't look like a murder board where you've planned it all out. <laughs> so, how do you know the direction in which your story is going? Do you have some idea already at the start, and you just kind of figure out the way to get there, or do you literally don't not know what's going to happen next?
2: I always know the main story, like the whole the story, the character. It's really usually based around a character arc. So mm. this person's mm. is this way when we meet her or we start with her. Um, oh, right. I tend to write from the point of view of my female characters. I, there are other authors who are brilliant at writing or, across genders and good on them. Um, mm. But I, so whenever we meet her, I know where where she's at uh, mentally, emotionally, uh, and then I know where I want her to be I know I kind of the arc that I want her to have and then I'm thinking oh well, where where in the world will she go mm. um who's she going to meet that's going and not just a love interest who's she going to meet in who's going to be in her orbit as I say mm. um to bring out those things in each in her and there might be a character that really bugs them initially but then mm. they find compassion for her. and um you know I 'm I'm, I'm very intimate with my characters, as you know, and I see them what's and all. and I want my readers to as well because yes. that's real. That's real. Yes. And we have all of these sort of um, you know generic, homogenized um, main characters. What are we learning as readers when we read something? If we've got a main character who really irks us, why? Mm. Why? i Mm. challenge you to ask yourself as a reader why (laughs) (laughs) so when you
0: are in the depths of writing so maybe not for your first novel because you that was a a, a quite a while ago now when you were writing it initially but Mm. perhaps for the two that are out now that night in paris and a sunset in sydney when you were in the depths of writing that what kind of um routine did you have to basically get the words out because you currently work full-time in a day job so
2: what do you do to fit it in and make sure it gets done well that I mean that's a great question and um so yeah i I mean I've just finished a big round of edits for my fourth book and I'm, cr- I'm nearly finished with my fifth fifth wow. I get up at, um, I get up between 5 and 5.30 every wow. morning uh,
0: <laughs>
2: and I'll do a bit of authoring, author biz, which is, you know, uh, social media is part of that and, you know, there yeah. might be emails or I have to write a blog post for something or someone, um, but then I will switch it all off and write I minimum of an hour a day or if I'm not in editing mode, but if I'm writing mode, yeah. I'll write a minimum of hour, an hour, but... Usually, you know it can be two or three, and I actually do that most weekends as well is I will write for I will spend you know at least half of the day every Saturday and Sunday writing. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I I don't know. I just I love it so much, and I know where the stories. by the time i by the time I've started a book, I know where it's going to end. I almost always know what the end scene or chapter will be. So I just want to get there. <laughs> so yes. that's my. Right. my impetus for writing is my myself I'm like okay I need I yeah I I want to get to this and and the way I get there will be convoluted because I you know I I get surprised by my characters but yeah mm-hmm. I have to be um I found that because I do um as you said I'm working full time and my job is um it's it's mental work it's you know I have to be kind of heads down. I do a lot of um, create, uh, content creation, a lot of editing. But it's a different part of my brain. So I give my creative self, um, I fuel it with tea in the mornings, mm-hmm. And um, then I can switch gears around eight or nine um, and then go to my day job. So yeah, I right. that works so a lot better
0: for me, yeah. Is it an actual kind of like one-hour
2: target or do you have a word count target? I just, I will usually have a scene target. I want to write right. this scene. I want to get her to this point. I want this to have happened. Um, and as I said before, a scene might be a whole chapter or it might be just um, a part of a chapter and then you have the little chapter break. So I just kind of want to have complete, something that somebody would read for a natural break. They're like, oh, I'm just going to read to the end of this bit, you know. Yes. That's what I want to have written by the end of the day. And often when, when, when I I Get back to the work in the morning. I will go back and reread what I wrote the day before, and I, yeah. people say, "Oh, you're not supposed to do that." I'm like, well, I need to get into the cadence of it, so mm. I'll reread and I might do a little, few little tweaks, catch the typos, and then just go from there. So I'm just kind yes. of, yeah, it's a nice entry point. So I just want to check um, uh,
0: because I'm sure many people are going to be extremely impressed that you do this just in the mornings. Are you only writing in the mornings and of course the half day on the weekends, or are you writing when you come home from work as well? Uh
2: sometimes if I get a really great idea, I'll go oh my God, I want to do that. Yeah. You know, like if something comes at lunchtime, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna write that. But mm. I have found that I am much I'm much more switched on and create creatively speaking in the mornings. So I was trying to do the thing and I actually wrote um, One summer in Santorini, in the evenings, and oh, it was such a chore, you know. (laughs) Whereas I actually get out of bed excited. I'm like, wow, let's go. So I, I, it. As soon as I flipped it from PM to AM, that just works for me.
0: Wow, so that's so impressive that you're now on your fourth and fifth novels, which is fantastic. So of the ones that um that are out now, Mm -hmm. um, what were the what was the most challenging aspect of writing these novels? You can pick whichever novel in oh, yeah, case one was no. more challenging than the other.
2: I mean, that night in Paris, I, I wrote that while on sabbatical and I was working then, but I was only working contract work and I wrote the novel in three weeks. So what? I just wrote, time. I wrote it in three weeks and i it just poured out of me. Oh like my I, God! It, just, it was such an easy <gasps> write. Um, but So the flip side of that was um, A Sunset in Sydney is actually the second Uh, book I wrote, and I wrote it to come second in the chronology. Mm. So when um, the publisher had decided, let's actually publish that night in Paris, so we'll go off and we'll meet this other character, Mm. I had to change the chronology of the books. So they had spoilers Ah. for each other and, you know, the the sisters and they're talking to each other and these things. So in the editing of that night in Paris and then when I came back to A Sunset in Sydney – the chronology had to be addressed. And the other right. thing that um I got great feedback from I my my editor's called Hannah Todd and she is brilliant. Her feedback is like always bang on and just so clear and actionable. Mm-hmm. But she came back to me and she said, You need to write this book as though no that all the readers haven't read once I in yes. Santorini. Yeah. So I was like, oh, really? Can't we just make them read? (laughs) The hard part was to create something that was for, um, you know, readers who loved the series and knew the series and knew the characters and where they were at Mm. and filling them in in a way that wasn't like this big information dump. It was fun and kind of it was almost a you know previously on kind of thing, so mm. that was challenging for me. That was something I had to learn how to do. Um, that night in Paris, because it's a completely different character, you can kind of backfill a little bit around yeah. her sister Sarah from the first book. But coming back to the same character, and you've not read the previous book, and it's a ho- mm. you know it's a whole book. There's a whole bunch mm. going on. Is just finding those little points where you can just give you know a sentence or two, or just a little bit of backstory. I, that was really, really a big learning curve for me. But she said I did okay. So.
0: <laughs> now, <laughs> we have well. to come back to this three weeks thing because <clears throat> there are people who are going to be listening who are, who are, whose mouths, are, whose jaws are still on the table. Right. So uh, now, you, you pour, it poured out of you. Did you write practically 20 hours a day?
2: I, I, am I'm, I'm a bit like, I'm a bit like Alison Tate. Cause I know she says she's a fast writer. Mm. Um, if I, I knew exactly what the story was going to be. And wow. it was almost, it was just all in my head ahead of time. Yes. And, and because I had been a Contiki tour manager and I had, I had great notes, and I had I had good travel journals and everything. I knew, I mean, I knew the circuit, so I knew the locations. And mm. um, setting is really important to me, so I could I could write those settings like, you know, blindfold Easy. or whatever. Mm. But once I had once I had the love interest, and figured out the backstory there and everything, I was like, it just I, I look, it's, it's just kismet. Um, and yeah. I, I, I was on sabbatical. I put all my work on hold, my contract work on hold. We were living in Portugal at the time and it was mm. NaNoWriMo. So it's National oh. Novel. And so I wrote all day every day. So I wrote oh, wow. eight to ten hours a day. Yes. Just couldn't wait to get the story out. Like it was so yeah. exciting to me. And of course, you know, then there's the editing and everything. That was just the first draft. But sure. um, it's gone through lots of edits since then, you know. it had, um so yeah, it's. I'm not going to say start to finish it was three weeks, but no, the first of draft that's first draft three. So weeks. let's talk about the editing then. Your first draft is yeah. three weeks,
0: yeah. And then how much work? So you got it out there, which is fantastic, and that's yeah. so great that you used NanoRimo. So how much work had to be done after that point? And when you went back, did you kind of go? Oh my god, why did I write
2: that when in fact that's supposed to happen, you know. <laughs> well, look, I um I as my editor says, I write pretty clean. So yeah. um I'm and I write chronologically, I write in order. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helps a lot. And yes. I do have a really strong sense of character. But I got when I go back and do my edit before I would submit a manuscript to my editor, I go back through and I do a check for overused words and I do a check for, um, you know, phrases or sayings or whatever. And I make sure that yeah. the right character says the right thing. So I do my own kind of editorial pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had I have had um, a lot heavier I have had a lot heavier edit this time around for my fourth book which is coming it's a standalone but it's a triple narrative oh, <laughs> I wrote wow. three main characters okay. um, and they were all in different parts of the world all having christmas at the same time and so they they had touch points where they would call each other what have you and i was just finishing around a structural edits which was the most rigorous edit i've ever had and mm. i realized that in colorado 8 hours had passed and in melbourne 40 hours had passed but i had them talking to each other on the phone at the end oh. of the beginning. so i'm like oh no so i had to move chapters around and everything so that was a time i that was a time where if if I had looked after myself further upstream, previous Sandy had planned and really plotted out each of those touch points, She, I would have um, had not had such a rigorous edit. But, On on the whole, the other books that I'm writing, that is just a linear narrative. So I don't get in, I don't get stuck in those sorts of plot points where I go, oh, no, that kind of happened because that hasn't happened yet. Mm. Um, I did have a bit of that when I was working on the chronologies of book two and three. But um, once I had it kind of clear in my head, it was okay.
0: So you're (laughs) obviously obviously
2: very prolific. Um, Where do you get your ideas from? I, um, well, they're mostly, as I said, character-based, and I just kind of converge um, ideas for characters with places I've been to because I just want to write about pla- places I've been to, and I um, I need to start going to more places because I'm running out of places yeah. I've been to. Um, with with – um, that night in Paris, you know, there's a couple of characters in there who I really want them to have their own story. So mm. I'm thinking, oh, who can I send off to this place that I've been to? Um, you know, my partner and I, we started a sabbatical in Bali. We lived in Bali for two months. So I've actually mm. just written a book a the one I'm writing now that I'm nearly done, she goes to Bali on sabbatical. I'm like, well, um, you know, that's not rocket science. <laughs> this kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I lean on, lean on my experiences and look at my photos and my travel journals, etc. Um, that's great. But yeah, I, I do have ideas that are percolate. I think all authors do. They're just kind of buzzing in the background that are not travel fiction at all. And I have these kind of plot driven ideas that. Um, who knows, maybe next year I'll just kind of switch gears after I've um, contributed more to this this series. I might just switch gears and do something completely different. So,
0: <laughs> so yeah. cast, cast your mind back to, I don't know, maybe five years ago or, or so uh, when you um, didn't have a deal with Collins and yeah. you weren't writing your fifth novel. Um, yeah. Did you ever anticipate you'd be in this situation or did you always know it was going to happen one day?
2: i I was hmm. that's a great question i I hoped I longed I wished <sighs> I dreamt um but i until i self published I really didn't um believe or give myself permission to call myself an author in fact, it wasn't even until after six months i until I had two books out did hmm. I call myself an author hmm. so the dream was to get um, a publishing deal. Mm. Um, and my dream now I have a new dream. My dream is to be a full-time author mm. and I'm not, I'm not talking out of school. I'm in my, um, my team know that at my, um, my day job. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm here. I'm going to give you a hundred percent while I'm here. But, um, my dream is actually not to be here. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> It, yeah, I, I, I do pinch myself and it was the goal. It's the professional goal. I'd love to, you know, in the next couple of years just be writing. Um, yeah. So and now I have kind of a foothold. I want to leverage that and yes. just keep learning about the business. And, and on the flip side of that, keep being supportive of other authors. So I was really welcomed into the author community, both here in Australia and across the world. And I have some wonderful friends and mentors in that community and I'm so grateful for their generosity. And I likewise want to do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I,
0: and I know some people are wondering, but if you can just briefly mention what your day job is, so that Oh, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I
2: work in adult education, mm-hmm. um, and specifically in online education. So we've had kind of a really intense um, past few months, mm-hmm. um, supporting supporting our clients and our partners around um, moving to online learning very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's great. I I mean I think I'll always have a hand in education. I I'm an educator writer, writer and traveler and then an educator and it's a passion of mine as well. And of course
0: when you do become uh, able to devote, full time hours to this. you the great thing about being an author is that you can literally write from anywhere. So no <laughs> doubt you will be turning up in Bali and Santorini and Paris and Prague and all sorts <laughs> of places because it sounds like the perfect match for you. Now um finally what are your top three tips for aspiring writers who'd like to be where in a
2: position where you are one day? That's a fantastic question. Um I would say join be an active member of the writing community. Mm. Um, you'll learn from each other and um, they're the people who really get it. They get that you're showing up every day. Um, number two, write the book. You can't edit a blank page. It's, I did not come up with that, but I say it all the time. Mm. Um, so you just have to, It's. It's. you know, you have to be in the chair and you have to be writing the book. Um, and third one, learn about the biz. Mm. It's not often the most fun part, but um, marketing is really important. Having a platform, having a, having a, um, a brand as, a, as an author is really, really important. And, and part of that is honing your query, your query letters and your synopses. And, yeah, I think it's just kind of that's the trifecta really, isn't it? So it's community, um, you know, get the work done and also think about what the career can be because it's, it's an industry. It's a business just like any other. So if you can learn as much as you can about it, then it's going to help you.
0: Fantastic. And on that note, th- um, congratulations on that night in Paris and a sunset in Sydney. And I have no doubt we have many more to look forward to. Thank you so much for your time today, Sandy. Thank you. An absolute pleasure. There you go, Sandy Barker. And I absolutely love how proactive Sandy was in building her author platform as she, you know, was building her own writing career. She was writing because it's so important to be doing both and um, she's reaping the benefits of it at the moment as well. Definitely. She gets a massive gold star and she also
1: is very active in our um, Facebook community uh, in So yes. You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook, um, and she, you know, I, I'm really thrilled for her success i've you know I've been watching her mm. um you know as you say like build the author platform and obviously you know just so many books coming out and she writes she works really hard yes, yeah, you know really and she has worked really hard from the beginning and i'm so thrilled to see it all
0: you know like coming together for her so beautifully so yay sandy go yay you. sandy and the course that sandy was referring to in the interview was actually allison's course called build your author platform and oh, there you, you know. can find out more she's at- a star pupil <laughs> That's exactly you can find out more at writercentercomau slash platform that's writercenter.com.au/platform slash platform all right so this brings us to the end of this week's episode what are you doing in the coming week Al? Well, I'm writing because I'm focused, remember? Yes, that's very, right. Very, <laughs> very focused.
1: Boys are going back to school right. and I will be just doing it because that's what I have to do, right? That's
0: yeah. good. Sounds so follow good.
1: along my journey, write, hashtag write a book with Al on my Facebook page. Please come and say hello and, you know, a little cheer would be awesome, please.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Bring your pom-poms, people. <laughs> um. Where do we find you online? You'll find me at alisontait.com, a You'll find me on Twitter at, at altate A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on, where am I, Facebook and Instagram, at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you?
0: You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at valeriekoo.com. You'll also find me at home reading more paper books as – Instead of lately, I've been doing a lot of Kindle because of my eyes. But now I'm installing new lighting. Oh, new lighting, (laughs) not new glasses. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not some much stronger, you know, glasses. They don't work for me. It's really been quite a struggle. Um, Mm. But the new lighting, I think, is going to fix it. So I will be reading more paper books. I still read the paper books, of course, except that, it's just, you know, I'm constantly shifting my glasses. Anyway, of course, that was just a oh, riveting the trials conversation. and <laughs> <laughs> say,
1: We're really ending on a high note here today,
0: going out with a bang. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye.